Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. This is episode 29th, and we are talking Guardians of the Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy! Yay! Gosh. I am here with my wonderful co-host, Ali Matu. Hello, Ali. Hello, AJ Conrad. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful to have you here for this podcast. I missed you on the uh, little bonus episode we did. Yes, and I have to still, I haven't yet listened to the Max Brooks episode, episode or panel, so I'm going to have to, to you're, you're, you're You're preparing yourself for it, right? I you am, I am. The amazingness that's, that is Max Brooks. Um, what are we talking about today, Conrad? Well, we're talking about Guardians, of course, and we're going to, both of us went to see the film this weekend, so I'm, I'm excited to talk about this with you. I'm glad you did, otherwise this podcast would have been really hard to do. It, well, you know, I'm, I'm sure one of us could have carried it. There's a lot to talk about, um, yeah. but I actually had to restrain myself from texting you right after seeing the film. So This is, this is what I hate about our show, mm. is I, I can't talk to you about it until we do our podcast. makes it so hard. It does. Um, oh my gosh. And our crossover. Oh my gosh. Guardians of the Galaxy versus Firefly. Yes. Who's the better team? Oh man. This is going to be so much fun. It is. And then our top five is, uh, well, so we're, we're semi-cheating a little bit. We have the top, our top five aw- awesome mix-ons, but, um, and these would be songs to save the galaxy with. But I think because you can't actually have an awesome mixtape with just five songs, no. we're gonna we're gonna do the top five songs and then very quickly do the top five honorable mentions. Yeah, we got to be true to the spirit of a mixtape, which maxed out at about sixty minutes. Okay. So you gotta go ten songs. Come on. Yeah, but we'll we'll keep it we'll keep it short and sweet, and hopefully we'll actually keep it to an hour today. Yeah, listen, <laughs> we you know we get mixed feedback. Half of um half of you all. Listen listeners love a longer show the other half are like can you rein it a little bit make it more like an hour kind of like your title so we're gonna we're gonna do that we appreciate the feedback we will try to rein it in and um and make that so so conrad um guardians of the galaxy was on um it's it's been a highly anticipated film before we get into it What's your exposure, your background, and your knowledge of the Guardians, and um, where were you going into this series, into this new uh, franchise? What will be a franchise? Uh, Well, quite honestly, I I did not have a ton of knowledge. I knew of certain characters. I think most people know of Rocket Raccoon, because it's kind of a weird character. Yeah, he's Um, pretty wild. But I really, you know, I had, I guess I had seen them in a few comics, but not really. I definitely didn't follow the storylines, and I actually had to do a little bit of research before I watched the film. So, so I kind of went into it with fairly blank slate and not, I mean, the expectations I had were basically from seeing the trailers. Um, and it, it also seemed to me that they had reworked the story quite a bit. So I don't even, if I had been, a very big fan. I don't know that that would have helped all that much, or maybe, yeah, well, or maybe I would have been a little bit more upset about that. There's so. a lot. There's a lot of stuff out there on the net about the history of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and it's kind of a wild history. I mean, this is not the original team and all of that. And but you know, I didn't know any of that stuff either going in. This film was announced at Comic Con 2012. And it was uh, sort of the last line of uh, the Phase Two Marvel films um, in their cinematic universe. I knew nothing about the Guardians of the Galaxy. I never heard that term. Um, I couldn't name anyone who was in it. But then when you watch the footage and they show uh, the concept art and you see um, all the characters, I did identify Rocket Raccoon. But the only reason I knew about him is because he was a character in Marvel vs. Capcom 3, hmm. which is one of my favorite fighting game series. And um, I, I knew about him, but I, I couldn't tell you anything, which is so different from every other Marvel film that's come out, whether it's the Marvel Studios films, Iron Man, Hulk, Thor, Captain America, Avengers, or the X-Men films at Fox or Fantastic Four or Spider-Man. Um, I knew a lot more about those characters, those stories. I could name at least something that happens, you know, in those in those storylines. I couldn't tell you anything about Guardians, and I think one of the reasons is I never saw a um, cartoon based on them when I was a kid. I haven't uh, read any comic books about the Guardians. Um, and unlike you, 
I didn't want to know anything before seeing the film. I didn't do any research at all. Um, the trailer was so amazing and so fun and capitalized on the unknown nature of Guardians. You know, there's this great scene in the trailer where they're introducing the, the first teaser trailer. They're introducing each character and these two uh, Nova Squadron folks, or I think Nova Squadron. What are they called? Nova... Nova Prime, I don't know. The two Nova people are like, who are a bunch of these, who are these a-holes? Um, so I think Marvel capitalized on it. But I went into this knowing nothing and having high expectations because the marketing was so much fun. Well, I, you know, I guess I guess I knew just enough to be dangerous. So part of why I wanted to refresh my memory is because I knew sort of t- like weird little tangential stories about them. Mm-hmm. And so it's one of those things that you, for me, I just am like, oh, like I vaguely remember this character, and I definitely remembered Rocket. Um, but it was, I, I was okay with that because it just seemed like they had reworked it enough so it wouldn't even really matter generally. And I think that that's, I, I think that they were capitalizing upon that absolutely, oh, absolutely. absolutely and also were. so that they can work them in wherever the heck they want later Abs- on which absolutely. Obvi- the- i think it's quite clear that they are <laughs> so. oh yeah no and and that's it's it's quite interesting actually we're gonna they're gonna take these things and we're gonna get into that and i mean we've talked about guardians a little bit in our summer preview and it was one of my most highly anticipated films just because it is a genre that i it, this is my home base genre the sci-fi kind of epic storylines with weird and wacky um, aliens and all of that. This is where I live and breathe. So I I went in with high, high expectations. Um, So what, having seen it, now that it's out, what did you think, Conrad? Well, I I know that you were lucky enough to get the... uh Reserved seating at the Lincoln Center Cinema. Yeah, my favorite IMAX. So I was not quite as lucky, although I, you know, I'm not, I I have a hard time watching 3D, so that's part of the issue, and it's finding a a 2D screening, and it was tough to find that, but... um, I went Saturday afternoon and, you know, they had everybody lined up and people were very excited. So that was actually not too bad because people were just really anticipating the film. Anyone dressed up? Uh, Nobody dressed up, but some people in pretty nerdy t-shirts. And there was definitely some anxiety. A few people online were waiting for people to show up and were getting very antsy about it. (laughs) So, (laughs) like, I'm going to have to go in without them. (laughs) Kind of a, (laughs) kind of an antsiness. Um but it was so that was kind of fun. We got great seats. Um, and, you know, it was it was actually honestly, it's probably the most pleasant movie watching experience I've had in New York in a while. So that's great, because almost every movie we reviewed, it started with, well, there was these people talking. Well, this happened. No, no, I think this is people were like super fans. They were really into it. Nobody dressed hey. up, but I don't expect to see that on the day. I don't know. Maybe opening weekend to pay on the theater, but maybe midnight screening opening. Mm-hmm. Night, yeah. Um, but it was, you know, the theater was was full. It was full of like pretty, like a pretty wide range of age groups. Like there was kids, adults, every like everybody in there. So, um, but my, you know, my watching experience was great. Um, and overall, I thought this was just a very well done summer flick. I thought it. I thought it was a great. Um, effort. I thought the writing was great. I thought it had a good sense of humor. There were a couple of things I didn't like about it, which we can, we'll get into, I'm sure, in the later on the review, but I really, I think that the trailers lived up to the film. Yeah, the, the spirit of the trailers were definitely, uh, definitely carry through to, to the film. Um, before we get into spoilers, I want to say I completely agree with you. Um, I also saw it Saturday afternoon. I, it, you know, I go to the for, whenever I can for a film I really want to see. I'll go see it in our big New York City IMAX theater, which has reserved seating, which is fantastic. However, everything on Friday was pretty much sold out. And the first screening I could get that had decent seats was Saturday afternoon. I went really positive experience. This is a film that um, it does fill up that full IMAX ratio, which not every film does. Not the whole film, but major scenes are in that full square IMAX ratio, which is just beautiful. It 
beautifully fills in that canvas. Uh, the sound was amazing. The effects were amazing. It's just a great film to see in the theater. And I think uh, it's it completely nails it in everything that Marvel Studios is known for. Creating entertaining heroes, making them fun to watch on the big screen, um, a, a lot of great humor, great music, which we'll, I'm sure we're going to get into. I really recommend the film. It's got the exact same problem, and crit- and I have the exact same criticisms that I have of every Marvel film, and we're going to get into that. Um, but I, if you're a fan of Marvel's films, of science fiction, or just of popcorn entertainment, I think you got to go see this. Yeah, I agree. And it, it was... Um... Well, I, I think that that's part of why we chose the crossover that we did. It reminded me an awful lot of Firefly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> an awful lot. <laughs> let's- well, let's let's get into that. Let's go into spoiler territory territory now. I think we've got some, some fun stuff to talk about. So if you haven't seen it, please pause, go check out Guardians. Um, but for you, it was definitely pinging that Firefly element. Well, the Firefly element, I also think that the other thing that this film did very well was obviously, to me, one of the, it's not a character, but it kind of felt like it was, but the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Yeah, well, that's a good place to start. I think the the teaser trailer was the first thing that kind of revealed that this movie is going to have, well, we weren't sure if the, if it was going to have this soundtrack that's based on 70s rock and, and some soul and some other kind of stuff in there. But um, that was part of what made the teaser work for me. And it was really cool to see that um, that not only is it a soundtrack, as you see for movies like Transformers, where they just, you know, Linkin Park just kind of plays at the end. But this was a soundtrack that tied into the character's narrative in a very core way. And it was a big part of the experience of watching the film. Well, it is. It's also a very big part in giving him some sort of base. You know, you know where he's coming from when these songs are on. Yeah. Like like all the songs. Did you I don't know if you happen to see, but there was an article where they talk with James Gunn about how he picked the soundtrack. The director, James yeah. Gunn. Yeah. No, um, I, I have that open right now. So, yeah, what's he talk about in, in the article? Uh, you know, he basically was looking for songs that were really um, they were they were from the 70s. He started basically going through the billboard charts and and just make this playlist and wanted to and just basically was picking and choosing which ones he felt really fit the film. And yeah. I think he did a very good job. Um, and sometimes it's not necessarily what you would expect at all. Um, so I think I think he did an amazing job. But I also think that, for me, the soundtrack made the movie. A uh, friend of the show, Alan Bailward, had the experience of watching the film this weekend where members of the audience just kept singing along with the songs. Wow. He was not happy about this. I, I would not be happy about that either. <laughs> but um, maybe on the maybe on like a uh, like a screening a year from now. You know, when you've seen the film a bunch of times, but not opening weekend. Maybe, but I also see why it happened, because some of the songs that are on here are so catchy that I just think people want to sing along, and they may not even know that they're necessarily doing it. Um, but yeah, I, Alan, I, it's, it's kind of hard not to sing along to Hooked on a Feeling. Like, yeah. I, I kind of want to start singing it right now, but I'm going to rein myself in, Conrad. But I can appreciate I probably I would have been had mixed feelings about it because it's sort of like, oh, I really don't want you to sing while I'm watching this. But also I see why you're singing because it's so it's so catchy. But anyway, and uh, this is, you know, looking at uh, the music, this was something that uh, James Gunn really it's his major contribution to the development of the story. Uh, There's a great article on io9 with an interview with Kevin um, Kevin Feige. I, I always, I never know how to pronounce his name, but the president of Marvel Studios. And he talks about how um, when uh, when this director came on board, it was his idea to make sure that there's a Walkman in his backpack. So when he gets abducted, that this is going to be his connection. And, you know, the director is quoted as saying, um, 
what does he say? I've got it right over here. The, his music and his Walkman, his all this stuff. This is the umbilical cord that connects him to Earth and the home and the family he lost. Unquote. the The music is a strong connection to Earth, and this is where I think Conrad. This this is a weird movie. Let's just kind of put this out there. We got a talking raccoon. You've got a tree that has an expressive aphasia, <laughs> kind of like Hodor. Um, and it, you, you've got this walking, talking tree. You have a lot of aliens that look kind of weird and strange. There's these, you know, infinity stones. There's a lot of wacky stuff. But unlike movies like Green Lantern, which have kind of a similar wild universe, or movies like Dune that are based on a really cool property, but it, it didn't really translate as well to the film. It works in Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think one of the reasons why it works is all of this Earth stuff, it helps us connect with this world. Well, right, and then there's a bunch of fun little Easter eggs throughout this film. So many. Um, there are, and especially in the Menagerie, uh, with the collector, there is a few references, and one specific reference is to the film Slither, yeah, <laughs> that James Gunn also directed. There's um, I mean, so so there's things tying it to Earth. So I think that that's also fun too. Is the that fact, there's there's an idea that this is this is taking place in our in our yeah. world. Yeah, totally, totally. And I mean, the fact that if you guys stayed around for the post credit sequence, Howard the Duck. Howard the Duck is in it, which is, uh, for those of you who don't know, uh, a Marvel film that was made in the 80s, Conrad? Uh, yes. I believe so. And it's like pretty bad. <laughs> it's kind of horrible. It's, but the- it's so bad, it's like a cult classic. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 but it's not a cult classic for being good. It's one of those for being very bad, uh, bad movies. And, uh, you know, I think we have to uh, one of the people that we really need to single out here is um, the writer, uh, Nicole Pierman, uh, Perlman. She wrote the film. She's a majority writer here. Um, the director also was involved in um, in some of the writing, James Gunn. But this is the first Marvel film that has been written largely by a female writer, which is kind of a big deal. She did some of the writing. She pretty much wrote all of the um, the uh, character of um, the scientists in the Thor movies. Um, mm-hmm. I'm blanking on the character's name and the actress's name. Um, what is her name? Uh, Natalie Portman. Natalie Portman's character. She wrote Natalie Portman's character but wasn't credited for it. And what's cool about Nicole um, Perlman is she's a giant, giant science geek. She's got a, a big background in science and she's been she's been wanting to get this project made for a while. And when she was writing it and doing the treatment in 2009, 2010, um, no one had any clue what she was working on. Not like out of secret, but she'd say, I'm, I'm kind of working on a treatment for guardians of the galaxy. And people are like, what, what, what's that? And <laughs> she's had so much success here. Um, she's now working on a treatment for a potential, um, shield movie focusing on black widow. Um, Scarlett, Scar- starring Jar- Scarlett Johansson. It's not confirmed, but she's working on it. So I think it's we've got a great writer here. We've got um, a great director who's been known for more indie work. Um, I thought the film was really well cast. Uh, we don't have to go into my fanboy uh, stuff with how I think Zoe Saldana is perfect for the role of Gamora. Mm. But um, Chris Pratt was great. Um uh, Vin Diesel was really good. He, I was reading an interview where he said um, his script would have everyone else's line and his line, I am Groot on one side. But on the other side, it would have paragraphs about what is happening in Groot's mind and what, what he wants to communicate. That was really cool. And I thought Bradley Cooper was good. You know, the all around, I think, behind the camera – uh, behind the scenes and in front of the camera, the collection of people who made this film did a fantastic job. I think they did a great job. I I think uh, uh, Zoe Saldana is all right. I mean, I think she's a very beautiful person. I just don't, at least from my perspective in this, I don't think she's a, a very good actress. Um, and I think that I'm not sure if it's the, 
just the script or whatever, but I really felt like her character of Gamora and Nebula were just kind of throwaway characters. I mean, you have yeah, Karen, it, you have Karen Gillan, you have her, and it's just, I, I mean, I didn't... <laughs> I just didn't really like I think she she looks great and she fights great and maybe that's what they were looking for. But in terms of me really feeling like they were having a lot of representation here, I was a little bit like, eh, but OK, yeah. I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm just sort of reading. I don't it just felt a no, little flat not, to me. Not. Conrad, you're not. You're, I'm on the same page. As you, I mean, I think I think Zoe Saldana and Karen Gillan are great actresses, and one of the reasons why I do love Zoe Saldana as much as I do is because she's also a pretty big geek at heart. And Karen Gillan, I mean, she was in Doctor Who and is an amazing uh, companion for the Doctor. I don't think their characters really had as much to do in this film. Um, I think Glenn Close was pretty cool as Nova Prime. Um, but as a character, again, she didn't really have much of an arc in the story. I just thought that she was cool in her role. The, the, here's here's I, where honestly, get- I think that the character that stole the whole show was Rocket Raccoon. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Which- so quite honestly, maybe it's just because he pretty much stole the show from everybody. So maybe they they felt a little flat compared to him. But I have to hand it to Bradley Cooper. Well done, sir. That was just really incredibly. Uh, like incredibly well portrayed and you're like it was so easy to make that cartoonish and silly and he really played it well what's interesting about um racket rocket raccoon is um it's not motion capture it's not motion capture um james gunn had his brother um i believe sean gunn um very well known for uh gilmore girls <laughs> um he was in he sort of walked around and played the role but it was not a motion capture role i mean we and a few weeks ago we talked about dawn of the planet of the apes and the fact that they were able to make this work without motion capture is really interesting um and then bradley cooper it, it didn't even sound like bradley cooper whatever they did it was really cool because they made um, Rocket's character pretty pretty unique here. I, here's my criticism on top of um, the female characters who didn't really have as much of an arc. Um, I think those alien characters in general were all pretty flat outside of our core group of, of Guardians. Particularly, um, our villain was really boring and uninteresting. Um, I really well, well. Which one? Well, okay. So we have. Do Thanos. you mean? Do you mean Ronan or Thanos? So Thanos, I really don't. Unless you're a comic book geek, I think you you don't really even get why he's in here, and he doesn't really have much to do. But in particular, I'm talking about Ronan. He's the same villain we saw in Thor 2. He's a guy who finds a magical object and wants to destroy the galaxy or the realm or the planet, whatever is sort of the the problem in front of him. He had absolutely – he was very all evil. There's no complexity to him, nothing to – help you to connect with the villain. And I don't need every villain to be as complex as the Joker or, you know, as have the gravitas of like uh, the Wrath of Khan's Khan. But I do want a little bit more. um, I want a little bit more complexity in the villains and Marvel Studios just can't give us an interesting villain besides Loki. Eh, They can't. But I also felt like this was a little bit, I don't know, um, like in as much as it, we were talking about the female characters being flat and some of the alien characters being flat, I mean, like I kind of felt overall it was a little bit that way. So I, I can't just pick on the female characters here. Um, mm-hmm. In some ways, I think that that was maybe just the way the film went um, that, you know, they were trying. It felt and this is not it felt a little like Indiana Jones to me in that way. Well, that's a whole first scene, which when is the adult Peter Quill. That's Indiana Jones. Well, absolutely. And I don't think that that was that was obviously a, a an Easter egg and a nostalgia that was, you know, a little bit nostalgia pinging there going on. And that and I think that was set up deliberately. I think it's supposed to make you look at it and be like, OK, we're not going to get too deep into all of this. I mean, yeah, there were villains in Indiana Jones, but they were just Nazis, you know. Well, so. here's here's where 
Okay, so I, I walked out of the theater having a lot of fun, really enjoying the film. And then Anuan and I saw it together, and I said, what do you think? And she said, I had a lot of fun. I kind of got bored towards the end. And that, we, that went into a conversation about how every Marvel Studios film, boring villain, and things kind of fall apart in the third act. It just kind of gets a little boring. And that's where I left that discussion. And then I was thinking about what I was going to write and what the psychology of this movie is and what I want to write for my website. And this idea of the nostalgia kept coming back to me. And James Gunn talks a lot about his influences, and we hear a lot about 80s culture in the film. And I think what's really cool here about Guardians of the Galaxy, I think it has a lot to say about um, the psychology of nostalgia. And it taps into this fascination that we have about 80s culture. A lot of the stuff that you and I talked about on our Ready Player One episode, we keep referring back to that episode because so much stuff is pinging the 80s nostalgia and you know nostalgia is all about connecting uh, with memories about people and nostalgia reminds us about the importance of social relationships and it helps us to connect with the people we love i think his walkman is a total symbolism of that it's his last connection to his mom his last connection to his home and it kind of validates why we all go out and buy all this stuff and it validates why we hold on to things because it helps us to remember these important things in our life. Well, and then the music connection, I mean, I don't even know, like, yes, it symbolizes her, but I, I think that music in general evokes memories of a certain time, you know, especially as we discussed in the Ready Player One episode, just there's a very specific point in time that it evokes generally. Oh, um, totally. It just from when you're growing up, there are things that just stick with you. You hear that song and that brings you entirely back to that moment. It's a total and time machine. Absolutely. It's, which is yeah. which is just it's an, a very interesting addition and idea and mechanism within this film. And I think it honestly makes it and it makes it instead of being this this big shallow blockbuster movie it gives it a lot more depth than than it actually deserves quite I, honestly I, totally, <laughs> I, I, I agree with you conrad and i you know people are a lot of saying a lot of people are saying this is the spiritual successor of star wars I, I don't think that's accurate i think this is a spiritual successor to back to the future you know the cool thing about back to the future is kids in the 80s went to go see that and their parents saw it and they had two different experiences the young people connected with marty mcfly and uh, their parents were having nostalgia about um this other period in time in which he exists. It had led to a lot of conversations about um, this other area era. It introduced people to Johnny Be Good and a lot of that classic music from that era. I think this is doing the exact same thing. The Walkman stuff, the mixtape, the references to Al, the references or Alf, the references to Full House. You know, the ship is named Milano. Because, I know. Right? Alyssa Milano. Alyssa Milano. And so I think people are going to uh, families are going to see this movie and they're going to connect in a, in a way in which they wouldn't be able to because of the nostalgia and the way it's 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 not just a cheap nostalgia. It's not throwing references in there. It's doing it in a way that which makes sense in the context of the story. So I think you're right. The film elevates beyond what it would Otherwise, because of the music, because of the way nostalgia is built into Chris Pratt's character, Star-Lord, um, I, I had a lot more fun than I probably should have, and I want to see it again. Yeah, I, I definitely want to see it again. I want to see it again just to get a few looks at what's in that menagerie. Oh, totally. So what do you think this means for Marvel the Marvel Cinematic Universe going forward. I mean, this is our last movie before Avengers 2. Um, we know Thanos. Thanos? Thanos? What? I Th call it Thanos. Cause I call it Thanos. You call it Thanos. 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 Let's watch some more Marvel movies. Well, because I think of Thanatos, but maybe I'm oh, wrong. Oh, the, the destruction drive, the drive to destroy yourself. Um, yeah, that makes sense. Well, um, so what do you think this means? He's developed a little bit. The infinite, the, the gems are here, the infinity stones. Um, what do you think this means? 
Well, I mean, they were, he he makes an appearance here. We saw him at the very end of Avengers to sort of pique everybody's interest for the Age of Ultron. Um, so I think that's an obvious tie-in, and I would not be surprised if some of these characters made a, a cameo appearance or two. I don't think we're going to see him as a major character in Avengers 2, Age of Ultron. I think he might pop in. Kind of like he popped it in Avengers One. Um, we know that um, Avengers Two, Ant Man, Doctor Strange are coming uh, down the pike. Um, we know that Guardians of the Galaxy broke records this uh, this weekend. It brought in 160 million, um, and it was greenlit for a sequel before it even opened. And the sequel is coming out in 2017. James Gunn is returning to direct. I think we're going to see him. We're going to see Thanos pop in in Avengers 2 a little bit, not as a main character. I think the um, Infinity Stones are going to make some type of appearance in that movie. I think he'll probably be the main, uh, a main villain in Guardians 2, and I think Avengers 3, we're going to have a crossover with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Maybe, but I still think you're, they're going to we're going to see more than we we think, because Marvel's been doing this thing where they're just tying everything together. Um, so I think that they're leaving options open. You may see people earlier than you think. Well, like the collector, um, mm-hmm. we saw the collector was at end of Thor two, I believe. Yep. He made an appearance and everyone's like, Oh, why is a collector here? And it was a little bit of a nod that we're going to see more cosmic, wild, weird stuff. Well, uh, and then the infinity stones play a pretty big role. So that's that I think you're not going to see. <laughs> that's going to be an obvious thing going forward. Yeah, um, but they're kind of like the big deal, yeah. and wh- the ether stuff or whatever it was in Thor two. That's an Infinity Stone. Uh, they are tying the stuff together. Um, and did but- you catch the? Did you catch that Easter egg in the collector scene with uh, where they show the, the a certain Mister Fillion? Uh, well, actually, no. He was in the prison. No. I yeah he was in the prison you're right you're right as um, Captain Mel I think no was he he uh, he's apparently that's that's what the story is on the internet now I didn't catch it myself I didn't I wasn't able to see but that's what everyone on the internet thinks oh well no I mean I think it was him I kept because I kept I was like yeah it's got to be him because of the voice yeah um but um I think it's Captain Tight Pants. <laughs> <laughs> Which would be awesome. It would be. Um, it, but the, you know, the cube that they use. Oh, I did not. I did not. There was so much stuff happening in that scene. I didn't catch that. Um, it, the cosmic cube or whatever it is that they use in in terms of, in, in terms of like, the Avengers. and, and The Tesseract. It, the Tesseract, yes. Um, it pop, It pops up. In the visual where the collector's trying to tell them about the Infinity Stone. It's very quick, but it's there. So well, they, they know what they're doing. Look, Marvel, the Marvel movies continue to be a ton of fun. It's really cool to see. It, it, it is one of the most bold, boldest big ex, uh, cinema experiments to have so many films. Uh, now I think we're above 10 films. Um, tying in together, telling a larger story while also telling an individual separate story. Um, f- to, for that, I really, um, I really uh, congratulate Marvel on, on on doing a wonderful way of tying all this stuff in together. They need to work a little bit harder on fleshing out some of the characters. The females here really didn't have much to do. Um, I think the villain was really boring, but I still loved this film, Conrad. I loved it too. And I just, uh, just to talk about Nathan Fillion, yes, he was the big um, inmate guy. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's who he was. I want to, the big blue guy. I want this on video so I can like freeze frame all those scenes and just kind of like watch all uh, that. There is actually somebody, of course, put together an Easter egg video for this film, so you can watch all of them. Nice. Yeah. Um, I need so to you have to that. check that out. But um, speaking of Nathan Fillion, I think we're ready for the infinite crossover chamber. To the infinite I am Groot. I like the sound of that. Nice. <laughs> that was a quick one. It, well, it was, and it was good. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so today in the infinite crossover chamber, what what Ali was just trying to express with his "I am Groot" 
was that we are comparing Guardians of the Galaxy versus Flyer- Firefly. Who is the better team? Um, right, I knew you would understand my I am Groot. I did. I did. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. I am I am the the Groot to your rocket. Okay. <laughs> so I'm an insane, deranged raccoon who used to caretake a mental asylum. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Um, that's, a, that's, has, about, that's about right. Who now has an awesome um, comic series named after him? Have you? Did you read Rocket Raccoon Number One? Um, I didn't. I did see that there was that. Um, I don't know if you saw this this news, but the creator of Rocket Raccoon um, is actually not doing very well. Uh, Bill yeah. Mantlo, he is the writer who created Rocket, um, along with the artist Keith Giffen. And he was in a hit and run accident in 1992 and has been in pretty dire um health for a very long time i mean he just needs there's like a ton of money related to his health care and generally you've seen that uh, you know uh, you've seen a lot of instances where the studios and the in the um the big comic book uh labels have not really treated some of their creators well and in this case they actually seem to have and they gave him credit um lots of people have band together to to help him uh solicit donations for his medical care and in fact i think they did a private screening for him so he yeah. got to watch rocket rocket raccoon which must have been so amazing for him I, you know i think he posted um a screenshot of the credits where he's um he's credited as uh, as the creator of rocket raccoon and it just that must have been such a great moment and yeah. i'm really happy to hear that I, again whenever we put marvel against dc it seems like marvel ends up winning you know you compare this with what's happened with with bill finger and not being credited for uh, for really creating so much of Batman, all the things that we love about Batman. It's great to see Marvel um, um, crediting him and, and supporting him. And I think there, you can always, um, there are a lot of high medical costs, so you can donate to support him. So we'll put a link in the show notes um, for yeah. that. And I mean, he created such an interesting, imaginative character. So Right, but we went off the rails just a bit there for our crossover. But part of I just wanted to bring that up because that was a piece that I was really... You know, I want to make sure we mentioned it on the no, show. Totally. I'm, gl- um, I'm glad you did that. But in any case, but we can talk about Rocket as part of this team. So. So, yeah, we're we're debating Guardians of the Galaxy, a awesome team of misfits against Firefly and Captain Tidepants and his intrepid crew of misfits. Um, the question today, dear listeners, who's the better team? Hmm. So, so with both of these teams, you have people that have been brought together, not necessarily under voluntary circumstances. No, no, um, no, no. So the game of Firefly, they basically the the main crew, which is Captain Mal, um, and um, this is this is. Uh, you need a cis Conrad. You got Zoe. You got Wash. No, I got Zoe and Wash, but I was trying. And they and are no, and they are those. Jane. The they are the core. Zoe, Zoe, Wash, and Mal. I think oh, okay. are the main yeah. core for for yeah. the ship. Inara is sometimes doing her own thing. You know, kind of working as a. Uh, what do they call it in the show? It's not a companion. It is uh, a companion, I think. Is it is a companion? Oh, man, I was getting my Doctor Who and uh, Firefly mixed up in my head. I was like, oh, it can't be companion. Um, you've got, isn't Gene a main crew member as well? He and, is, but I, I'm just saying Kaylee. in terms of the the people that are are basically, the, th- the core three people, I think, that work together as if they're in the military are, are Mal, Wash, uh, and Zoe. Okay. Okay, okay. Um, and then Jane that. is there, and he's a little bit more of a mercenary. Yeah. And then you've got Nara, who is the companion. Yeah. And then... Haley, who's the engineer. Right. And, um, then, and then the people who come on board as passengers. Right. You've got Dr. Tam, you've got uh, River Tam, and you've got uh, Shepard. Right. Um, and, you know, Mal. Mal's main goal is to basically... He's out there, he's... He's he's an outlaw. They they do things to try to help people that have been taken advantage of and ha- under the new regime, and so they basically take on people not necessarily because they like them, be- but because they need their money. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, totally. It's it feels um, Firefly feels very Han Solo Millennium Falcon to me, where it is this sort of idea of being, um, you know, a smuggler at times doing things for profit. And like Han, uh, Captain Tidepants, um, he, he does he does sometimes do things for the right reasons. He does grow for the right reasons. I can't believe I said that. It's, it's something that they say in like every reality show ever. I don't think you're here for the right reasons. Um, anyways, um, it feels very millennium Falcon, star Wars, Han Solo esque to me. Um, some of the arc of the crew. Um, and you compare this against the guardians crew and they're not necessarily there for profit, but the thing that brings uh, Star-Lord, Gamora, Drax, Groot, and Rocket together is a shared goal. Um, they well, all have- at first their shared goal was profit. <laughs> well, but hold on. Their first, not everyone, Drax doesn't care about profit, and Quill just doesn't want to be killed by everyone else. Their, their first goal was to break out of that prison. I guess so. But I'm talking about when they're first introduced to each other. Okay, yeah, Gamora she she does she want profit? She kinda wants no, well, she, she wants revenge against her father. She does, but she wants to have profit in order to do so. So maybe okay. she has the longer term goals. She's on the you know, but but she's playing the long game. But Groot and Rocket definitely want profit. Well, and so does Quill. Yeah. Well, I don't know if Groot wants profit. He just kind of wants to hang out with Rocket. Mm, he's pretty clear that he wants his his <laughs> share, though. That's true. That's true. That I am Groot was pretty assertive at that one point. So they both kind of come together for some profit reasons at first. I'll give you that. Right. Um, I, I think that the Serenity team, or the Firefly team, rather, they have a few more independent thinkers. Jane, you can never know what he's going to do. Um, and then also, you know, um, the doctor and River. And Inara makes it very clear that she's got her own thing. And many times in the show, she gets upset when Mal kind of gets in her way. Right. And, you know, for what she's trying to do. So, yeah. I don't know. I think that when it finally comes down to it, they do all band together. And there is a very clear line at which point everything moves forward in their team. However, like Jane is always a wild card. Keep in mind this, this show is on one season and we're talking about a TV series versus a movie. Well, we're talking about a TV series that was canceled and one movie versus a, um, uh, we're basing guardians of the galaxy on the movie. We haven't really read the comics, so we don't have much to go on there. Um, but I think in some ways I don't know. I, I feel like in some ways it's a little bit of an even match because um, Guardians is going to there's going to be a lot more Guardians. We're going to have we're going to have Guardians of the Galaxy 3D experiences at Disneyland. <laughs> we're going to have uh, we're going to have sequels. We're going to have a lot of stuff. And Firefly, we have more right now, but there sadly probably isn't going to be more. So I, I, in my mind, I feel like it's kind of fair. Well, I think if you are compare, if we are comparing the crew from the TV series versus the film, that is one thing. But if you're comparing the film Serenity versus Guardians, that is a very different thing. How is it different? Well, because I, I think in Serenity, they've obviously been working as a team. They're working as a team to get River out and... Um, to work with her and even though they may not always agree at that point they've pretty much put aside some of their differences can i tell you a deep dark secret of mine conrad you've never seen it have you no i've seen it i've seen it i don't like it as much Mm. the movie i I understand what they tried to do with it i don't think i think it was all right i don't think it was as successful as the show and i think it's tough to wrap up all that in just one film so i I think it's joss whedon trying to squeeze in what was probably going to be a season of TV into a film and uh, trying to give us as many answers as, as we can. So I, I appreciate the effort. Um, I, and so, yeah, by the time we get to Serenity, the film, they are much more aligned. Um, uh, I, it's, it's hard to make that comparison because by the time we get to end, the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy, 
Um, it's pretty clear that these folks are a team. They came together for this one large goal. We know in psychology, things like this superordinate goals, this is what unites people. This is what turned the 13 colonies into the United States of America, the common goal of defeating the British. So the common goal of uh, not dying, breaking out of the prison, um, all of that stuff. It, I think the moment we see that in Guardians of the Galaxy is towards the, the third act of the film when Groot and Rocket and Gamora um, and Drax, they stand with Star-Lord and say, all right, we are going to fight back against uh, Ronan the – what is it? The Barbarian? Not the Barbarian. <laughs> it's Ronan the, the, the Avenger. Ronan the whatever his name is. We're going to stand against him. I think that's the moment where they kind of reach the same point that the Serenity crew does in the second half of that season. Well, right. And I think um, they they come together very, I, th- I think they, they do come together in a little bit, like, under duress. They were, you know, in the prison when they're trying to get out. They're not necessarily totally thrilled about it, but they do work together, even though they're fighting a bit. And it's funny. Yeah. Um, but they do the eventually leg. get out. The leg. the leg. I need the, pr- I need the, <laughs> that was. That and was then so the good. eye, the eye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I need that. <laughs> Oh man, it's so good. So good. Ronan, Ronan the, the, the accuser. accuser. The accuser. Uh you my friend Ronan the accuser are no Darth Vader. Mm-mm. Um you're not. And I just kept wanting to wipe that stuff uh, off of Lee Pace's face. It just yeah, was like I know. awful. I know. Um, I've I've said this before. I was talking about this in my podcast over the weekend that I just the face just wipe that off. Yeah, come um, on Marvel. Come on. Anyway, but um I feel like they get together relatively quickly. Like you have moments where you're, you're kind of like, okay, they they may go their own separate ways, and then they join together um, because they feel like they should. Mainly because Groot says that Rocket should. So um, here's here's where I'm going to come down. Then, um, based on what you just said, they do come together quickly. They're in a good place right now. We don't know what's going to happen. We know Thanos is going to play out. Um, we don't know where Gamora is going to, uh, where she's going to side. Um, we know um, stuff is about to get intense, and it's unclear if the Guardians are going to be able to withstand that. On the other hand, the Firefly clu- uh, crew, while there's been some casualties, and I won't spoil it for those of you for the 1% of you who haven't seen Firefly, um, there are casualties in the team. But when push comes to shove, Jane has side, sided with uh, Mal and Zoe and Wash. Um, the wild card does play the role of the team member. Well, he uh, does. Gotta- and you know what? This is the thing, though. It's like... I feel like at, with the Firefly team, there are really horrible moments and scenes in which people are basically having to prove their loyalty or, you know, there are some very fraught moments between Mal and Jane, which are funny as well, but they're pretty rough. Yeah. And when yeah. you eventually get there, I believe that they're going to be a team a little bit more. And I feel like their loyalty is understood and there's no going back from it. Whereas the guardians, I'm still a little bit like, okay, you guys all banded together, but, and again, it's a little bit of that piece that we were talking about. There's, there's a little bit of shallowness going on there. But, but here's the thing that here's one more thing. And I think this still supports fire team firefly on my side, a good team needs one person who is going to be the dissenting voice, one person who is going to be the minority report. Um, the most dangerous things in teams are groupthink, when everyone just kind of agrees with the charismatic leader. That That's what got us into the Bay of Pigs. That's what got us in... That's the reason behind the Challenger disaster. The worst things that have happened in teams come from there being no disagreement and no debate in the team. And I think Jane kind of brings that perspective. Oh, it's um, not just Jane, though, because Shepard Shepherd totally. does totally, and as does, um, I think every single one of them has a point where they will dissent, and that's what I think makes them a better team is because they have such varying points of view. Well, I don't, and, and I don't yet know what the Guardians are going to do because I don't no. fully understand all of them. And there's Groot. only so much motive from I am Groot you can get, other than yeah, we yeah. are Groot. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and he has to grow back too, so um, it, it's going to take him a while. Um, hopefully, he doesn't grow at the pace of like you know redwoods in California. Uh, he seemed uh, to grow back his arms pretty quickly, and and Baby Groot was just kind of dancing around a lot. He seemed pretty big by the end of the film. If you got the Jackson Five playing, you're going to grow some arms yeah. and dance to that too, Conrad. Um, I think Rocket plays that role. Um, I don't, but you're right. It's there's more uncertainty there. I think I'm voting Team Firefly. Well, you knew I was going to vote Team Firefly. I think the listeners knew we were going to vote Team Firefly. It's, it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to vote against Firefly. But dear listeners, do let us know who is the better team. Um, Team Firefly or Team Guardians of the Galaxy. And those of you who do read the comic um, and have followed the comic series, let us know what you think based upon all the extra canonical knowledge that you have of the Guardians. Who do you think would win? Um, You want to close up the crossover chamber? Yes, we are exiting the crossover chamber. I am Groot. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Conrad. What do we have for our top five? Uh, For our top five, we have our top five awesome mix moments, songs to save the galaxy, um, or awesome mix songs, rather. And, you know, we're going to probably roll through these pretty quickly, I think, um, and do a very quick honorable mention. So we'll have a total of 10 each. How did you go about picking your your songs i mean we heard about james gunn and how he picked his awesome mix songs but what about you uh well i was trying to think about you know the things that we just talked about earlier in this episode with ready player one so i picked a lot of songs that were were mainly from like my youth um Mm. or youth or or important parts of my life and were also kind of catchy so it that was, there wasn't there wasn't a huge rhyme or reason to it. Um, I could do this and make this list forever and ever and ever. And now with iTunes, you can. But yeah. um, for for limiting limiting it to ten, um, you know, in in no particular order. Well, do you I, want Do you want to do you want to just roll just down, or do you my... want or do you want to do the the back and forth? Let's do the back and forth. Okay. Well. No, 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 no. That'll, yeah, I like this. Let's break with tradition. Let's have each person kind of go through their list. Um, but I just want to share my criteria. Uh, for me, a big part of what Awesome Mix Volume 1 is, um, and I've been listening to that playlist, um, that album, all weekend long. I cannot get it out of my head in a very good way. It just puts me in a good mood when I listen to that. So that was part of it. Songs that do make me uh, feel better. And then also the other part of it was a song that stood the test of time for me. So I don't really have anything recent on here. I think the most recent song I have is from the early 90s. So I definitely um, uh, veered towards stuff that um, has lasted in uh, in my head and in, in popular culture. So... Conrad, do you want to go first? I do. I'd also like to point out that that Bill kept trying to inject his own top fives into this. <laughs> and Bill and I have very different music tastes. Um, <laughs> just very, very different. Um, but the first, uh, so we're doing, them, we're doing them in all at once, right? Go for it. Are you doing just your first, your top five? I'm doing my first top five, and I thought it, you could do yours. Let's do it. Fire cool. away. All right. So, uh, with your best shot. <laughs> number, f- number five would be the passenger uh, Iggy Pop and the Stooges, if you if you know them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, number two, no action. Elvis Costello. Ooh. Um, or sorry, I guess that's number four. Uh, number three, a New England Billy Bragg. Hmm. Um, number two, hold on, Tom Waits, mm. and number one, Wave of Mutilation, the Pixies. That's these are these are pretty good. <laughs> um, okay, I um here's here's my picks. Um, number five, Tonight Tonight by the Smashing Pumpkins. Uh, number four, Dancing in the Streets. Uh, or Dancing in the Street, Martha and the Vandellas. Number three, um, uh, John Lennon version of Stand By Me. Number two, Sam Cooke, Good Times. Man, I love that song. Uh, and number one, this was the very clear number one. This is where the playlist ends. This is where the tape finishes. David Bowie, 
Heroes. Nice. That song is like the ultimate save the whatever song for me. Hmm. Okay, well, cool. that was fun. Yeah, that is a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I kind of want to listen. Well, I, to- I'd also say that uh, David Bowie can pretty much be my soundtrack for anything. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he was my, uh, I guess, through my next five, Queen Bitch was on there. Yeah. Uh, Career Opportunities by The Clash. Yeah. Um, Save Me by Aretha Franklin. Mm-hmm. Um, Roadrunner by The Modern Lovers. And uh, and it's Roadrunner number one, by the way. Um, and did I have one more? I think, uh, uh, yeah. I'm wearing out. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we are floating in space by Spiritualized. Man, I really want to listen to your playlist. <laughs> it's a pretty um, good one. <laughs> so my, my next five, my honorable mentions, uh, Joe Cocker's cover of With a Little Help from My Friends, made famous by Wonder Years. Um, Garth Brooks standing outside the fire. Um, a lot of people haven't experienced the awesomeness that is Garth Brooks. People need to listen to this song. Stevie Wonder, Sign Seal Delivered, I'm Yours. I Won't Back Down, the Johnny Cash cover. The problem with Johnny Cash is his covers are so amazing. It kind of ruins the original, but I love that cover. And um, one last 1990s song is Take a Picture by Filter. Mm, nice. I love that song. And again, um, we could go on and on, but this we're... could go on um, for a very long time. Um, and you know, I think what would be fun, Conrad, is um, hearing from our listeners and knowing what their top fives are. Um, we um, we and, got, and I will, you know, I would love. I always love to see what people's soundtracks are. I guess. I oh think, yeah, I think that's such a cool thing. And I have a few extra on here, so I'm just going to give you all of them, Ollie. And uh, oh my gosh, okay, okay, not that many more, but enough. Um, just because it's no, 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 no. We'll, I'll leave it for the show notes. Um, but okay. it's just one of those things. I think you could go on and on, and these are the things that you're kind of like walking around, and you know. <laughs> Totally. You know, um, a listener and friend of the show, Hobbs at Hobbs Q on Twitter, sent us in um, some top five uh, awesome mix um, songs. Uh, And we've got Islands in the Stream on here. Cherish. (laughs) uh, The video, because, you know, Kenny Rogers and Dolly Parton, (laughs) when they do the little walk across the stage and Dolly Parton's like, walk with me, Kenny. It's like the best thing ever. Oh, Oh, totally. Cherish Association. Um, another one bites the dust. Hey, speaking of dust, also uh, Hobbs Q has dust in the wind and then good vibrations. Um, oh, my gosh. I, I am going to have so much fun um, hearing all of uh, all of our listeners top five awesome mix sounds um, yes. songs. This is going to be fun. So, um, Conrad, I think we have reached the end of our journey into Guardians of the Galaxy. Sadly, we have. Um I do recommend it. I think people should see it. I'm go- probably going to see it again. Yeah, I think, you know what? You, you and I should go see this together. Okay. We, we have yet to see a film together that we talk about on the show. and We usually don't see them together so that we can talk about them on a show without uh, spoiling each other's views. But now that we've gotten that all out of the way, we're going to have a lot of fun going to see that movie. And then uh, what are we talking about next week? Uh, next week, we are going to be talking about Snowpiercer. This has been out. Um, it was a little bit. It was an indie film. It's been out now, limited release in, in a few theaters. Um, but you can also it's streaming. So you can you can watch it online through Amazon. And you can do a video on demand. You can rent it. I yeah. think you can even buy it. You can buy it. Um, and yeah. so, you know, it's gotten a lot of a lot of buzz. And I thought it would be interesting to discuss with you, even though it's a little bit darker than our usual fare. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. Um, so uh, the listeners do check out Snowpiercer and um, yeah, I think go see Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, Conrad, where can people find you on the Internet this week? This week, they can find me on Twitter. I am Die Prince, and also on the Zombie Podcast, Reanimated. It's Reanimated PCast on Twitter, and 
reanimatedpcast.com is the site. Reanimatedpodcast.com, right? All right, podcast, correct. <laughs> Conrad, you keep switching those. Uh, I you think know what, you... Conrad, when we get to this point in the evening, Conrad's really tired. <laughs> <laughs> I think Conrad, I hope that's the case, and I hope you don't have some secret zombie plague thing. Um, otherwise, that would be quite sad. Um, you can find me on Twitter at Alima2, um, where I tweet random shenanigan thoughts all day long. And um, on the internet, I am also at brainknowsbetter.com, where I talk about the science fiction of, uh, or the science fiction of psychology. No, the other way around. The psychology of science fiction. Apparently, it's hard for Ali at this time of night too uh, <laughs> <laughs> well we're both in good form you can definitely check out my psychological analysis of Guardians of the Galaxy there and please listeners let us know what you think of Guardians of the Galaxy what's on your mixtape and who do you think would win Firefly or uh, Guardians in uh, terms of a best team uh, you can tweet us at nerd hour or email us at info at superfantasticnerdhour.com or go to superfantasticnerdhour.com and click on all the lovely stuff there. Conrad, it's been real. It's been real. So until next time, live long and prosper. Indeed. Indeed.